Hello, and welcome to the Bad Romance Podcast. I'm Jordan Searles. And I'm Bronwyn Isaac. And wow, we have come to the end of what should have been a short but very long journey with the Sex and the City movies. We made it to Sex and the City too. Once again, written and directed by Michael Patrick King, clearly the king of comedy, king of feminism, king of women. <laughs> just, just the king just and the, our, king. the king of our hearts. Wow. And Truly also, a man. And okay, so um, there is a guy online. His name is um, Brad Jones. He often goes by Cinema Snob. Cinema Snob. Um, has done Sex and the City and Sex and the City 2, which shocked me because I was just like, what is Brad doing this for? He usually does like schlock and horror and porn. But I will say that like for a straight man on the internet, Brad really gets it. And I was watching his video for the first um, Sex and the City movie and he pointed out some things that we forgot, like that humping dog. We didn't discuss the humping oh my dog gosh, in the last yes. movie. Because <laughs> we were too busy talking about like all the important stuff that we forgot about the humping dog entirely so yes there was a dog it was humping in the last movie it was bad guess what sex in the city too worse oh so much worse Worse. it was like (laughs) it was like sex in the city too was like if sex if the first sex in the city movie just like stopped trying at all or tried i can't decide if it stopped trying at all or like tried too much i think that it was trying too hard because like in the first in our first like commentary about this movie i mentioned like a little bit about like girl power and feminism and like clearly what the movie is like trying to come across but it does not try as hard as sex in the city 2 <laughs> at all oh that's sex true. in the city 2 is doing too much it's trying to say too much and everything that it's saying is said by like rich white people who have been rich since the 90s and do not understand that the discourse has changed. Even yes. in 2010, the disc- like that was seven years ago. I graduated from high school in 2010. So you know how, how much of a baby I am. But like it is just it, it is amazing how bad it is and like i think that like in 2010 people realized that it was bad i knew that it was bad because i actually went to school with muslim people and spoke to them and (laughs) it is very obvious that no one that had anything to do with this movie actually had because we are really talking we are really talking about islam in this movie this movie about four white women Four incredibly wealthy white women. (laughs) It was like Eat, Pray, Love if, like, the vineyard was Islamophobia. (laughs) Like, it was like if Diane Lane just, like, went to Italy and talked about how, like, inferior Italian people were the whole time. Like, that's what this was. Like, it was insanely, it was absurdly, I'm trying to stop using insane and crazy because I realize those words are very, speaking of, you know. Uh, leveling uh, up the discourse. I realize how much I use those words, but it was absurdly just like tone deaf, but not even tone deaf. Like it knew what it was doing and it doubled down on it. Like there were, it, it, it was the four. Okay. I guess, do we need it? Do we even need to lay out the plot? Like it's so, it's oh such my a God. train wreck. I, let, I don't know if it let's matters. Do it real, let's do it real quick. Let's do some um, early stuff. The it, it opens with, it. the film opens with Empire State of Mind, which, <laughs> 
and it was and I I'm pretty sure it was like a remix. Um, no, it was it was the beginning. Or was it just the, it was just the beginning just of the Empire the beginning State of, of Mind okay. before the rapping started because we can't have rapping in a Sex in the City movie, but we are gonna have the early stuff. Like basically, it's like oh yeah, the only person who sings in the song is Alicia Keys. There's no Jay Z. What Jay Z? Yeah. <laughs> Just like, ooh, that's Um, too close to having a black person in the movie. And they were already, like, tearing down the Middle East. They could only handle so much. Yeah, and it's just like, it it does like a weird, like, brief history of New York thing, which like, which like, uh, my boyfriend who watched this with me basically said, beams, buildings, parks, gentrification. Yeah, <laughs> that was that was that's his contribution. He's in bed right now, so he can't. I asked him to be on this episode because I was like, I'd love to bring a man in here, but he doesn't want to. So, <laughs> and uh, oh my god, I just respect that he watched it with you. <laughs> I really, he got a lot of points for that. Yeah. yeah. Um, she talks about the history of New York as BC before Carrie. Bitch. Yeah. I mean, wow. We like Carrie has never liked her. The thing about it is, is that people always say that Carrie is a narcissist. Carrie's really only a narcissist in these movies and in like a little bit of the last couple seasons, but she's not. She's she, not. Was, she wasn't written to be one. No, she's actually, if anything, like she's self absorbed, but I think that people throw around narcissist when they mean self absorbed a lot, and there's a difference. Yeah. Because she's self absorbed, but like she doesn't like herself that much. She's obsessed with others in it's a way that narcissists aren't. Like, she's obsessed with, like, the validation of others. Yeah, like, um, Carrie, Carrie has this thing where, like, she just kind of has, like, a hierarchy in her brain where it's, like, her love, like, herself and her love and her friends are the most important things. And it's very hard for her to, like, care about other people, but it's not, like, it's not, like, malicious or anything. It just doesn't occur to her in the life that she leads doesn't really lead her to need to like it's really weird i mean i was there's been a lot of discourse about um sex in the city recently because of um all the rumors about sex in the city three basically the original thing the original thing was that like um kim cattrall wasn't gonna do sex in the city three without a bunch of crazy demands and that was that was the story that was going around and then kim cattrall was just like the only demand which in the best tweet that i've ever heard the only demand that i made was to not do it (laughs) yeah which like yes like kim cattrall is i think she's a great actress yeah i agree she's in her 60s now like leave her alone leave her alone like let, let her, her live. make some good movies her, or like rest jesus yeah let her do what she needs to do and that's and that's all she wants to do and like it's been really weird because like people have been like calling like kim cottrell a bitch and stuff and she's been like and actually one of my friends like stood up for her and like tweeted about her and she and she like quote tweeted and was like preach like she is <laughs> she is looking for people that are on her side that actually understand her plight because because she's tired of this weird smear campaign where everybody's acting like and like an older this this older woman is just being a bitch and she's not like older people should have the choices to do the projects that they want and even though like Robert De Niro and Morgan 
fucking Freeman and shit will be in whatever piece of shit that you make. That does not mean that Kim Cattrall is going to. She has self-respect. Like, she's not doing it. Yeah, and also, <laughs> like, you know, like, one thing that bothers me about the people who talk shit is I know that those people probably didn't like the second movie anyways. Yeah, like, that's, that's <laughs> the other thing. Like, the, the second movie isn't good. And a lot, and also, um, the discourse has been going in a way where it's like, it's bad just like the shows. No, it's not. No, and that's that makes me angry. And that's partially why um, I wanted to do these movies because I wanted two people, you and me, who actually like the show to talk about it because if you are going around on the internet saying that you don't that the Sex and the City movies are bad like the show, you're just revealing that you didn't watch the show because that is completely inaccurate. And that includes y'all who watched like maybe the first season or the first couple episodes like back in the 90s and then decided that you hated it. Look, here's the thing. You know whether or not Sex in the City is going to be your cup of tea. If your favorite show is Star Trek, you're probably not going to like Sex in the City. If you prefer Battlestar Galactica, you're probably not going to like Sex in the City. If you're if you're like if you think that like I don't know, like Breaking Bad is the best thing that will ever be on television, you probably don't like Sex in the City. And please stop conflating taste like with with Quality. whether or not something is good or not that's like somebody who's never liked sci-fi you know claiming that star trek is bad you know like, yeah that would that would grind your gears for good reason yeah it's and just like yeah if you do not like this kind of shit then you weren't gonna like the show anyway and you should probably just like Say not be in the conversation yeah you don't need to be in the conversation you don't need to weigh in on everything just because it's about bitches and also like people keep on like some people keep on defending it by saying oh yeah the guys in entourage are just as bad here's the thing though sex in the city is about love and friendship and like sisterhood entourage is about making as much money and fucking as many bitches as possible even if you want to compare sex in the city and entourage even if you're using it to defend defend sex in the city here's the thing entourage has a cold cold black heart in a way that sex in the city could never have like, also, yeah, and Entourage doesn't have like a whole series where the characters are drawn in depth and you see them, you know, like survive cancer and miscarriage and the death of their parents. Like there's just none of that depth there. And when people compare them again, it feels like I mean, it honestly, I I know it's annoying to have sexism brought into everything, but like it is it's ubiquitous. It's everywhere. Like it. It feels so obvious to me yeah, the way that so people like any show with women, like it doesn't have to be as overtly about love and female friendship as sex in the city is. If it's starring women, there's this catch 22 where it either has to be like very much. This is women doing things women don't normally do, which like that's a whole nother conversation where it's like if it's not about a female scientist, then it's automatically, you know, stupid shit yeah if the woman's know? not kicking ass like if she does if she doesn't like have a gun if she's not like an android we're not supposed to care basically like, if it's as anything that's traditionally feminine at all um it's viewed as lesser than you know but then at the same time if you have women acting in things and they're not conventionally attractive or deemed fuckable by straight cis dudes then that's also bad so i don't know what the fuck we're supposed to do I anyways watched, i'm i'm a little mad today <laughs> yeah i watched sex in the city um, and it's something that i bonded with my mother over and we were two 
poor black women in the South and we found something to like about it. And it's perfectly fine if you couldn't find anything. And especially for other black people, I know it's perfectly fine that you couldn't find anything. But it was very important to me. I actually wrote my undergraduate thesis was on Sex in the City and girls and um, chick lit and um, chick flicks. I mean, part of my thesis, I wrote a script and I also wrote a paper because they wouldn't let me just write a script without writing a paper, these assholes. So I wrote it. So I've actually studied Sex in the City. I've studied girls, which there's not a girls movie. So we might not talk about it on this podcast. I don't know. If we ever want to dip into TV, maybe we'll talk about it. It's not bad, but there are bad things about girls, definitely, which are the only things that people talk about. Um, So, yeah, you know, don't be a dick. Think about nuance. Think about what you're saying. Think about being a sexist. We're doing these movies because they're bad, but these movies were made by one person. And I know that a lot of people will be like, well, this person wrote on the show, but it takes a lot of hands. A show goes through a lot of hands. This guy had free reign and obviously a huge budget. So that's so that's something else. Um, One other thing that I want to say off the top before we get back to this movie is um, I wanted to address on this podcast the weird way that um, Sarah Jessica Parker was treated in the media post Sex in the City and the way that people talked about her. People are so horrible about Sarah. People, yeah, I, I, I am like, I'm that leave Britney alone guy about Sarah Jessica Parker. Okay, so here's the thing. Sarah Jessica Parker, um, and I'm not like, and I'm actually going to look this up, but um, I, I've been thinking this for a long time. I think a lot of the issues with people thinking that talking about how Sarah Jessica Parker is ugly South Park's treatment of Sarah Jessica Parker which basically drew her like a horse that stands upright and they also like had her she didn't speak in the episode that she appeared in on South Park and she also was like chasing a butterfly throughout most of the episode and I know that South Park does this to a lot of people but I found it to be (laughs) especially annoying and i don't even remember what episode it was but once i saw it i could never forget it because i was so angry i have a lot of feelings about south park but that could be a whole nother podcast good Um, and bad (laughs) so um the thing is is that um sarah jessica parker is of jewish descent her father is a is is jewish Um, i don't think her mother is so maybe she's not like officially jewish because i know it's matriarchal Sarah Jessica Parker has facial features that make it very clear that she's of Jewish descent. What I am saying is that everyone who spent all their time talking about how ugly Sarah Jessica Parker is was talking about her nose. I feel like that's the thing. I feel like that's what everybody's talking about. It I feel was. Like in yeah. A, yeah. And it is really bizarre. Um, the thing about Carrie, the thing about like Sarah Jessica Parker is that like she is beautiful in a way that like isn't like very like run of the mill and I'm trying not to like slut shame other people for that but you know like a lot of people have like that same face and that same physique and we're kind of looking at the same person Sarah Jessica Parker is beautiful and in a different way that's not a regular way and I think that that's also kind of what drew drew me to the show because she wasn't like this like boring like white bread kind of like American kind of annoying like super like you know what I mean well I mean honestly like and this well you you know like I love Kim Cattrall but if she had been cast as Carrie you know it would be and 
this is not like putting her down because she's gorgeous, but like yeah. it would be a different conversation because she's like, you know, kind of blonde Aryan conventionally attractive in this specific very white way and Sarah Jessica Parker like you said like she she somehow straddles this line of being like there's a lot of factors in her it, it is weird to dissect a way another it's woman looks this way because I don't want to say the wrong thing I don't want to like objectify her or like put yeah. her down but like basically but, you know, she has she has like she has like frizzy hair she, you know yeah she she like there are ways like I mean obviously you can say well okay she's like a thin femme white woman so there's that but she's also like she yeah she doesn't have like the Hollywood look um in the like yeah <laughs> I don't know she doesn't yeah exactly she doesn't and it, and it's weird having to talk about like ha weird having to like dissect this and feel weird about it because she is a beautiful woman yeah she is, she a beautiful is. Woman. and there's been no point in my life and I'll make and I'll make fun of a plain looking white woman all day every day there's never been a point in my existence where I have felt the need to make fun of Sarah Jessica Parker. I have always thought she was beautiful. I thought she was beautiful when I was a kid. I loved her hair. I loved her nose. I loved her eyes. I've always loved Sarah Jessica Parker. So this weird thing that people like treat her like she's unattractive because you'd rather have like Kristen Davis be the star of the show or something. Like it's just not like all of your asses are showing. Like, yeah, and it's I know just that like the it's people anti <laughs> Yeah, it's anti-Semitism. I'm just gonna say it. It's anti-Semitism. It's sexism. It's bullshit. South Park should be ashamed of themselves. Everybody who made those jokes should be ashamed of themselves. This is not how you can talk about a woman making choices that you don't like and living her, living her life in a way that you don't like without doing that. <laughs> well, and it. I mean, honestly. Again, like, I mean, going back to, like, you wrote your thesis on Sex and the City and Girls, like, it does make me, I mean, there's a lot of differentiating factors, but it makes me think of w when people would criticize girls and the first thing they would say is something shitty about the way Lena Dunham looked. Oh, yeah. You know, like, yeah. that they didn't want to see her topless on screen again or whatever. And again, it's like, okay, any valid critique you have of a show or a character or even an actor's decisions goes out the window once your first complaint is that you don't want to fuck them enough or you feel what I hear is you feel uncomfortable that you are attracted to someone who you haven't been brainwashed to be attracted to in the same way as 90% of actors. Um, I mean, there's a lot of psychology there, but I mean, I like I, as as I've mentioned on this podcast, I didn't watch Sex in the City until this year. And that wasn't like a choice that I made. Like I always knew I would and, and like a lot of friends would reference it. And I love that. Um, but I I even so I didn't have a lot of reference for Sarah Jessica Parker because that is the main thing that people know her from. But I remember people making fun of her for years and years. And I would always get angry just because beyond the sexism, I just felt there was something even more sinister. And I think yeah. the combination of the anti-Semitism, the sexism, and just, like, being shitty. Like, why are we like this? Like, why are humans it's, like this? Yeah, it's, <laughs> like, it's honestly shameful. Like, I feel like if there was, like, an, an I love the 2010s or something or some kind of, like, retrospective, I feel like there there's going to need to be a slot of time to carve out to talk about how embarrassed everybody should be for how they talked about Sarah Jessica Parker for so many years. Because if I were her, I would hate everyone. If I were Matthew Broderick, I would start every interview with a stop talking about my wife. Like, I would be the angriest. 
cussed Seriously. Matthew Broderick. Like, I'm surprised Matthew Broderick hasn't, like, cussed people. I mean, he seemed, maybe he's just a very, like, fun-loving guy. And she's, and he, like, <laughs> also, like, and again, this is not, I'm not trying to do a perfect victim thing here where it's like, and she's nice. Because it doesn't matter how someone acts, you shouldn't talk about them that way. But also, like... She, I've never heard anything bad about her, like, that's actually real. Like, I've never heard about her treating people badly on set or, you know, saying things that are, like, deeply problematic and not backing down or changing. Like, I've never, like, so, like, it's, like, of people of her profile, you usually hear some shit because people are messy. And with her, it seems like, for all intents and purposes, she, she just likes to act and she does her life, you know? Yeah. And... So that makes me even more just, like, defensive. And then I always feel a little silly when I get defensive of people who have access to, you know, counselors and, and, you know, and all that. But I'm like, no, but there's a price you pay for fame. Yeah, no, I mean, like, I remember one of my first, like, experiences reading film reviews before I started writing them was somebody was trying to say that Sarah Jessica Parker looked horse-like and they used like a word that I didn't know, like equestrian or something. And I had to look it up. Like I remember doing that on my computer many, many years ago, looking up a word that I found out meant looks like a horse. And it made me so angry. So no, like, like the, I'm making an exception for this white woman. <laughs> We're gonna, this is bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. You're like, you're like, why am I defending this rich white woman? And then you're like, okay, well, because everyone's so fucked up. Everyone's so like, terrible. Um, yeah. So, uh, so sex in the city too. Now that, now that I've gotten my, I've gotten off my soapbox. Never, I'm kidding. I'm always going to be on my soapbox i mean that like but, yeah i would be angry if you were not on a soapbox <laughs> and if i was not allowed to also be on one like i'm glad we both talked about that because that is something it's one of those things like there's so many things i block out not to be numb but just because you know there's you have to you have to pick your battles otherwise you'll just never be able to like function as a human being in the world um but the sarah jessica parker thing is one of those celebrity things usually with celebrity things i just tune out uh, because I'm like, you know, I don't have the energy to defend or care that hard. But like, for some reason, that one has always gotten under my skin. So I'm glad we talked about it. Yeah. Yeah. So um, uh, Sex in the City 2, um, you know, uh, back to it. Um, There's an opening where you meet all of the where you figure out how she met all the characters. Um, We see that she can't get a taxi <laughs> Um, just to juxtapose that she can get a taxi later. She met Charlotte on a subway car, which is hilarious. I can't imagine either one of them on the subway, but that happened. Right. You uh, think that would be part of like their reminiscing over happy hour? Yes. But. Yeah, exactly. Um. Oh my God! She mentioned something about the Dutch Indians and beads. Let's not get into it. Oh um. God, yeah. <laughs> and she met, and I apparently like Samantha was a bartender at CBGB or something, and she had yeah, like a which, punk like, phase I, that they never talk about. I'm like, which, what? Which like I can't imagine Carrie being at CBGB. I can imagine Samantha being there. Yeah, though. Samantha's like a open enough character that I could see that evolving from like being in the punk scene to like being this kind of corporate PR woman who also just still doesn't care. Like I can see that, but like some like Carrie, no. Um, yes. She met Miranda while she was working at Bloomingdale's and Miranda was shopping, which makes me think that Miranda's been had money for a very long time. Yeah. Which <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, she went to, I mean, law school. I mean, you know, Miranda definitely seems like well-bred in that, like, you know, by well-bred, I just mean like, 
comes from money. Um, but in a sense, because she comes from money, she's like almost less materialistic than the other women. Yeah, she doesn't dress. She doesn't her. dress as like extravagant as the other ones, except in the movie she kind of does, which I always thought is weird because like she's not actually like that on the show. She wears like mostly just like sensible clothes most of the time. But she seems like somebody who has this who has a subscription to the LL Bean catalog. Yeah, Miranda seems like she grew up like well off on the East Coast in like an intellectual family where like they never worried about money, but they were also like, you know, that wasn't it wasn't about image quite as much, perhaps. Yeah. There's a yeah. Um but. so let's talk about this fucking wedding. Oh my god. I guess. Okay, so I, Okay, so um once like also, this is something that I, I caught watching Brad's video for Sex in the City one. It's that apparently this whole Anthony and um um Stanford thing was kind of set up in the first movie, which I didn't notice at all because I was too busy paying attention to other things. But he also mentions that it wasn't set up well, and it wasn't. No, like, they like wasn't. kiss and then they look at each other weird during a montage. Yeah, it happened during a montage, and yeah, that that's you, you that's don't the set reason up, why I missed you, it. If you're gonna set something up during a montage, the montage has to only be about that thing. It can't be a montage of like eight different scenes, which is what the montage was. It was like yeah. a New Year's montage. Um, but yeah, okay. So these are two guys who hated each other on the show. Well, actually, I think it, Anthony hated Stanford, and Stanford was just like, "Hey, I don't like it when people are mean to me." Like, I yeah. feel like that's pretty accurate. Like, because I don't think that Stanford really, really hates anyone. No, I think sh- basically like Charlotte was like, you know, being Charlotte and trying to be helpful, but also kind of being naive, and was like, "You're both gay. I can try to set you up." Not thinking about the personality of Anthony at all. Um, yeah. And then Anthony is immediately like, Stanford's not, you know, whatever I want him to look like. Oh, yes. yeah. Because Stanford's, you know, just like a nice, sweet boy who just happens to not, like, look like a model. Yeah. <laughs> Essentially. Yeah. So, you know, like, is. they could have, like, the, there were so many chances, like, moments in Sex in the City where they could have had, like, more complex storylines about, like, the gay male characters um and like you know yeah but like yeah. gay male body shaming and stuff but like the never really surprisingly especially like with like gay men like writing on the show it's weird how like badly it's taken and especially like this these movies are written by michael patrick king is a gay man like an openly gay man so it's even weirder that there's really just no nuance there and um yeah he really sells <laughs> he I was really say because, he sells his people out and I was like, eh, he that really sounds does, bad. But like, I mean, like, okay, so like, yeah, I mean, when I was watching this with my boyfriend, he was talking about like how he felt like it was like homophobic and how it was it was making my boyfriend, like a straight man, feel uncomfortable. And I said, Oh, you know this the guy who makes these movies is gay, right? And he's just like, What? And yeah. and like and it, you know, it it makes me wonder, like did Michael Patrick King for him? Is it just like, oh, I th- I know these are stereotypes, but I think they're funny, you know, like where it's I like think, he's I think playing that that's exactly what it is because I mean, you know, he was called out on two broke girls for like racist stereotypes, and he was just like, eh, stereotypes, they're cool, and I'm gay, and yeah, <laughs> that sounds like yeah. So yeah, he's he's just this kind of guy um, where he like he also got got a, two broke girls has also gotten in trouble for rape jokes. So I mean like a lot of stuff. Yeah, like this is a guy whose sense of humor is very much the gallows. Yeah. Um, 
So this is a wedding between um, a very, very sweet man and a very, very mean man who I didn't even like. During I didn't like Anthony at all. And I really hated every scene that he was in. I hated that he was Charlotte's friend. I didn't understand why Charlotte would be friends with somebody that mean. Like, it's just... <laughs> I, I just yeah, never... Anthony, like I, un- like, I understood her friendship with him in a way that made me feel, like, kind of guilty for friendships I've had. Like, especially when I was in art school. Um, where it was like this thing where you're like, wow, you're kind of mean, but you're nice to me. <laughs> which is yeah, that's horrible, basically what it was. Like, it's um, just like he thinks that sh- he probably like thinks that Charlotte is beautiful and like has great skin. Like, I can't I, like one of those weird things. Kind of like when like like guys have come up to me and just be like, I love your hair, I love your bag, I love your style. Let's hang out. Just like this weird like artificial kind of thing. Yeah, it's like it's more about like how you would look in the Instagram photos or, you know, whatever. It's, it's, it doesn't seem like a deep human connection or like a, Hey, we have a lot to talk about. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. Like I can't imagine her like talking to, talking to Anthony about anything important. No. Um, so yeah, I, I really, this, this like, uh, and basically, and also before they get married, we find Anthony very much like blurts out to a group of people, to a lot of people. Like I think Harry's there. Like it's not even just the girls. Harry's there, and um, uh, Steve is there, and he just like very openly says, you know, I get to cheat. Oh yeah. So basically, yeah, I can't remember which one of them like, um kind of opens this up but like anthony does anthony just says oh he does okay i thought one of them was like wow you're getting married or like something like wow you're married and he's like yeah it's fine i get to cheat and then like because like i guess like the wedding itself is so extravagant and it's very clear that stan stanford like is the one who wanted all of that like there's doves it's huge like yeah yeah he basically says like this is stanford gets his dream wedding and i get to cheat yeah and then which is disgusting. It, yeah, and then and also like, yeah, oh, because I was like, I was if so this upset. was an open marriage, then you wouldn't talk about it that way, and you certainly wouldn't at the wedding. Like that, like I don't think it, that Stanford wants to cheat. No, like, Stanford doesn't strike me as a person. Like whenever he dated someone on the show, he seemed like very faithful and very like adoring of whoever he just happened to be dating at the time. Like Stanford is just like he is a monogamous dude. I really don't like the way that this really really bad wedding, this really really bad union, is like framed at all (laughs) no it felt like it confirmed a lot of homophobic stereotypes um and like yeah there's there's i mean you know the whole joke is like how before gay marriage was legalized i mean people still make these jokes but they were made a lot before it was legalized like in the u.s was like well gay weddings will be so fun which like like i'm not saying they wouldn't but it's also just like an annoying way to like defend someone's right um but and this was like very much playing up on it. It's like this big extravagant wedding and all this stuff. And um, Carrie goes back to talk to Stanford after she hears Anthony say that. And she's like, she's basically just like, hey, so like, do you know that Anthony's telling people that he's going to cheat on you? And then Stanford's just kind of like, oh, yeah, you know, we had to like uh, I told him like he could just a few times, but only like 
not in, in only in the 45 states where our marriage is illegal. Yeah, which is what he said. And that's supposed to be like kind of like, you know, funny. <laughs> yeah, funny, funny. It's funny. And I mean, it's like, it's really it's, it's clever, it's this, but it's like I don't know, like maybe I care too much about Stanford, but I just I care so I'm, much about Stanford. I didn't I'm like want this I was like for him. he's already in an emotionally abusive relationship. Like that's I, what I took from that. I hate it. I hate it. And it just it's also like peppered with all these jokes like here comes the gays the wedding is legal yay gay wedding carrie's the best man which i mean which is like carrie being the best man would have been cuter if it wasn't at this shit wedding <laughs> yeah no totally like she wore like a suit and she looked awesome she looked hot like i was, I was like, like wow can we get carrie who dresses androgynous because like i'm so into that <laughs> yes i was so into that so i was like she looks so good and i love the way that they did she did her hair like it was like it was it was it was very hot, hot. yeah um <laughs> um <laughs> and like who kept on saying this is not a gay wedding somebody did i have it written down but i don't know who kept kept on saying it i don't know like anyway somebody did i know that um, i feel like it was interesting because charlotte would often be the voice of reason during these moments and they would frame it as her being like a prude when she'd be like oh come on guys but like she would actually be the one and i remember this in the show too when people were saying really ignorant stuff oftentimes charlotte would actually be like isn't that racist or isn't that like homophobic? Like I remember yeah, the episode yeah, where Charlotte Samantha was always dated like, the yeah. the black guy who worked uh, for a record label. Like when they were saying kind of like racist stuff at breakfast, she was like, "Isn't that?" And she was doing that at the gay wedding too, where it was like, "Yeah, it's not a gay wedding; it's a wedding." And everyone's like, "Oh, Charlotte," and I was like, "No, I'm on her side right yeah, now." Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's who said it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah um, and oh my god somebody actually says in this scene like in this entire scene like how's that for pc like somebody oh. actually says that. yes oh my gosh and it's also like again like you remind yourself it's a gay man that wrote this because it feels like such a like yeah, sorry it, sorry it cool like straight I white man listening but Chuck it feels like a, it very much feels like an annoyed straight white man is like take that but it's like oh cool well i guess breaking glass ceilings of being annoying in your creative decisions um um yeah just oh my god just so much stuff um somebody calls carrie carrie preston oh yeah she's carrie preston i think like on the in the program or something which i which which bothered her for some reason because because you know that's that's big's last name his name's john preston <laughs> which is the weirdest name reveal because that's the name reveal at the end of the show so his name is john <laughs> yeah i'm like wow what a build up <laughs> <laughs> what a build up for john um samantha brings her dog to this wedding what the fuck um and also um kyle mentioned that it's a shame that this came out before frozen <laughs> Oh my gosh, <laughs> that's really funny. Because it's like an ice wedding, like it's very much like like swan, like it's very like it's over the top, but it's beautiful. Like it's it's sweet for me, but it would have been sweeter if he wasn't marrying. This. Yeah, like the wedding, like as annoying as like you immediately like from the moment this movie started, you knew it was gonna be. Like, I I knew within minutes. I was like, okay, yeah, this one's not even going to be as good as the first. And the first one still made me, like, kind of sad. Um, but the wedding was, like, really cringy. But it was still, like, supposed Liza to be Minnelli feel dances. good. And, and <laughs> honestly, like, 
if you watch this movie for the first time, you'll be like, okay, this wedding is so bad. But then as the rest of the movie comes, you'll want to go back to the wedding. Oh, yeah, you will. You'll, um, you'll, you, you'll want to go back to Liza Minnelli singing and dancing to single ladies. You'll want to go back to like, that. Like, that is a moment to, like, that. What? I, I, like, took a video of that on my phone, even though I could easily find clips on the internet, just because I was like, I need to savor this. There will be moments in my life when I need to watch this. It's... Wow, like I remember I was watching it with with Kyle and then the pizza guy came and I just let the pizza guy just get a whole earful. I didn't even pause. I was just like, you need this. We all need this. You're Everyone like, needs this. Yeah, you were like, please just take this in for a minute. <laughs> so, oh my and, gosh. And then the wedding um brings up the main plot, which is that Carrie and Big are not having kids. They meet this other couple that's just like, oh my God, Carrie, your 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 relationship is just like my relationship and I've read all of your books and it's like so great. I'm such a huge fan. And then they're just like, when are you having kids? And Carrie's just like, oh, we're not having kids. And these people look at them like they are demons. They're like literally <laughs> so like... I I believed everything about the interaction until the end of it because, like, I definitely know and I've, I I mean, I don't experience it because I'm not married, but I've witnessed it with siblings and friends. I know that people will hound you about having kids when you're married, but the way that this couple had no subtlety about, like, the way they immediately shifted their perspective of Carrie and Big didn't feel realistic. I was like, I feel like if this was a tad more subtle, it would be more effective. But they literally glared at them and were like, okay, bye. Yeah. So, yeah, because really the main the main plot of the movie is that um, Carrie and Big are realizing that they're like, Carrie's like in her 40s at this point and Big is in his 50s at this point. And it's very obvious that they will not be able, they won't be able to have kids and, and they don't want kids. Yeah. And, um... A lot of it is just like imagine if they had just stayed in New York and really like really like actually checked this plot out because it's just um like Carrie is afraid that it's gonna be boring, that it's gonna be just the two of them. And she just like keeps on like saying throughout the movie, it's just the two of us. It's just the two of us forever. It's just the two of us. Like she makes she makes marriage sound miserable because she just keeps on obsessing over the fact that it's just the two of them. But it's like they've never t- they never talked about having kids on the show. They didn't talk about having kids in the first movie. And Carrie never seemed like a kids person. Like she barely knew what to do when Miranda had a baby. Like, yeah. you know, it's not like whereas obviously Charlotte the whole time wanted kids, you know, so it was just and like Carrie, that was never something that she prioritized. And, you know, the whole it's just the two of us like. You guys live in New York. You're surrounded by people. You have good friends. You have enough money. You can, like, hire people to hang out with you if you really need. Like, I mean, I, I understand that none of that is the same as having children. And I understand that as you get older, it's less accessible to just make friends. But the way that, like, Carrie internalized this conversation, um, again, like, I know that's a thing that happens. But it was just so dramatic. It was so dramatic for somebody who didn't want kids and, like, very much knew this. Yeah, yeah. And also, um, and just the way that they, like, hammer it home is really weird. Like, they're, when they're in the hotel after the wedding, um, uh, Charlotte's baby is crying. Is that Charlotte's baby? Yeah, Charlotte's, Charlotte, yeah, Charlotte's she has, baby like, is crying. Her uh, biological 
Yeah, the baby that she had in the last movie. Which, yeah. Um, and uh, Samantha is fucking Anthony's br- brother, and she's moaning, and then and then Big's like in a, in a funny moment, which one is worse? And Carrie's like Samantha. <laughs> yeah, she's like Samantha because the child will calm down. Which oh yeah, you know we didn't mention in the in the last episode too. Um, Samantha, uh, um, Charlotte's like. <laughs> Charlotte's um like pregnant showdown with Big where she says I wish you were never born. <laughs> oh <laughs> yes. We didn't talk about that. That was great. Oh yeah, the end of the first movie like before <laughs> before Big and Carrie make up and then like have their small wedding when when Big is still, you know, uh uh, exiled to the furthest corners of New York from the Sex and the City women, he runs into Charlotte when her water breaks, of course, as you do. Um, and but right before her water breaks, she confronts him and is just like, "I wish you were never born, and I curse the ground that you walk upon." I love her. It, she is a ride or die friend. It is like that is another thing. Like I, I when I was watching the show, like again, like I mean, Charlotte, like. This shows how bad the movies are, but they made me like Charlotte and Big more. <laughs> you see, people, I've noticed that people always have issues with Charlotte, um, except for straight men. I don't know, one time I heard that straight men loved Charlotte, which makes sense. But Charlotte is, the, the, the biggest issue with Charlotte is that she's always been boring, and what she's wanted has always been like, like really like achievable like charlotte probably would have been married earlier on in the show if she wasn't so picky and i mean she has she 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 can be picky as much as she wants as the person that she's going to spend her entire life with but an issue that charlotte has always had is just that like her entire all of her plots are around being picky (laughs) yeah that's true that's really true picky like people acted like the other women were picky but like no, not as much as Charlotte. Like Charlotte would get mad about little things and then she'd just be like this this would never work. <laughs> oh yeah, Charlotte Charlotte was like very much um a bit like a control freak in a sense. Um and I mean it comes out in her relationship with Harry like um before the first movie like in the show. Uh but but she is a really good friend. Like yeah, and and Charlie gets actually a great plot in the movie. Um, she she got really a great plot in the last movie. It just wasn't interesting. But like in terms of like what part of life she's in and what kind of story this is, Charlotte seems to be getting the best plots because she well no she doesn't get the best plot in this movie. <laughs> oh gosh, so this movie she well she gets she has a good she has plot, an interesting but it has plot. a really bad element in it, and the really bad element is Alice Eve. Alice Eve is here. With this Irish accent, um, which she is not Irish. Alice Eve is a British person, but she's not Irish. Um, and she's here with this Irish accent, and we're hearing the we're hearing the 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 stereotypical Irish music whenever she's in a scene, and it's just hot nanny. Hot nanny is a problem, even though. Harry would never cheat on Charlotte. I was yelling this through the end while I was watching yeah, the entire thing. Yeah, there is no Harry would never do it. There, there is no threat. Like that's None. not that's not Harry. That's not Harry's vibe. Harry's been crazy about Charlotte. They've already had an awkward dynamic in the past because she brought up shallow elements, which I have issues with. But 
Like the he is not gonna do that. That's not the guy he is. He's not big. <laughs> um, he's not. Yeah, he he's he's not Steve. You know, I yeah, mean, yeah, he would never do. That's he just would never not do that. His radar. He adores Charlotte, and like. Yeah, I mean he's hit the jackpot and he knows it and he wants to and keep the nanny, it that way. The nanny is not she's not trying to fuck. She's not she's yeah. She's just it's a like, nanny. Okay, like yeah, and they just like and Samantha well, okay, so So well let's like um just just what the real the real meat behind Charlotte's plot and why I said that she is the best plot is that it's about being a mother. It's about um, getting everything that you want and being overwhelmed, like in a real way, um, and you know, it's just about like kind of like how she lets her jealousy get in the way of like her getting her own time because she's so jealous of this nanny. She tries to overcompensate, and it's just like this nanny is here to help you, and you know, it, it's 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 a very you know, she's just dealing with like having kids like the like it's it's weird that the plot is just her being a mom and that's maybe not compelling enough but her being a mom really is compelling enough and she has a great scene where she just like cries in the pantry and it's and it's like it's the most acting that I've seen her do since her um since her miscarriage plot lines like she she really goes for it it's a really beautiful scene and you can see it like you believe that a mom would just need a minute to cry in the pantry oh yeah and i mean having nannied for years and like i've i've nannied I have nannied for couples that were obviously on the verge of divorce. Um, and I've nannied for couples who had issue, behavioral issues with their kids. And I've witnessed, I've like walked in on moms crying before. Um, and so that actually, I felt like that was really compelling. The The hot nanny thing was just, I don't know. It was just like, I get yeah. why they did that, but it was also like, it's really not, I don't know. I know a lot of people who nanny, like it would have been that are young women. I mean, young woman who nanny, like, and it's not that that's never a dynamic, but it's really not as much as people say it is. At least I'm lucky enough that I was with families where that wasn't a lurking thing. You know, they had bigger fish to fry, and if the guy was going to cheat on her, it was not going to be with me. (laughs) Like, yeah, like that's just you know the reality. Yeah, so, like, basically, Charlotte has a really great plot buried in bad writing. And um, ups, big ups to Kristen Davis for doing the best that she can with this plot that could have easily been better if we just would... Alice Eve doesn't need to be in this movie. The only reason why Alice Eve is in this movie is because in 2010 and the early and some of the early 2010s, it was it was it was fun to talk about Alice Eve being hot and putting her in things for hot. She's out of my league is a whole movie about her just being hot. Like <laughs> she's in Star Trek Into Darkness because she's hot. Like it's just I don't everybody was just obsessed with her. She was actually in Entourage. Alice Eve um plays a character, plays the woman that Vince gets married to at the end of Entourage and she's not in the Entourage movie because the movie immediately is just like oh yeah we got to, we got it annulled after nine days after this whole the whole last season is just this anyway 
Anyway, so I'm saying that Alice Eve was fucking everywhere during this time. She was on Entourage. She was in Sex and the City movie. She was in Star Trek Into Darkness. Like, and she just, there's just nothing there for me to, like, no, no shade to Alice Eve. I just didn't get it at the time. And I especially don't get it now, now that the moment has passed. <laughs> That she was just fucking everywhere for a second. I was kind of, yeah, I was just like, okay. You know, like when, <laughs> when like Samantha sees her and she's like, that's your nanny. And like Samantha has just been talking about all the supplements she's taking for menopause and like all of the like hormone therapy and basically everything she's doing to make herself feel and look young, um, which of course she's, you know, killing it with. But like, so then it's as she's talking about this that Charlotte's nanny that Alice Eve enters the scene and, and Samantha's like, that's your nanny. And, and it's obvious that Samantha's having this moment where she feels older because the nanny is, you know, in her twenties and Samantha's in her fifties. Um, but beyond that, I mean like, yeah, Alice Eve is beautiful, but I just, this, this is not, maybe this is bad to say after defending Sarah Jessica Parker for so long, but she just like, looks like so many people like i'm just so bored of certain hollywood ideas of beauty yeah she is like just, she's just like a pretty blonde woman and that's is, fine but like yeah. how many do we have to look at yeah and like it was even yeah it, it was so weird to watch like watching like the whole popular culture be obsessed with her kind of like when the whole popular culture was obsessed with like like uh like brooklyn decker and like i think there's there's another one now kate upton yeah like i i if you put those three women in a lineup i swear to you i would not know like the only reason why i can tell alice eve like apart from everyone is because her boobs are like slightly bigger than everyone else in the movie that's that's really it because the sex in the city women all have small boobs that's really it <laughs> like if we're really getting down to brass tacks like that's what it is um and like it, it not to, not to objectify Alice Eve like I think that Alice Eve is great um but I do think that like when Hollywood decides this person is hot they get cast more for being hot and not as much for like their characters like I don't remember what Alice Eve says in Star Trek Into Darkness I just remember that there's a scene where you can see her in her bra and panties I don't remember and I feel bad for being that person Yeah I mean it's 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 shitty. It's shitty for everyone. And it's it, boring. Yeah. Like, again, it's boring. Like, I'm it's bored It's boring. It. And like, also, um, if you want some more stuff about um, this kind of conversation, um, Lindsay Ellis has a great series on the Transformers movie. She has, a, um, she has a YouTube series on the Transformers movies called The Whole Plate. She does an episode on, um, on, on Megan Fox's character, Michaela, and explaining how explaining how Michaela is actually a really good character, but because of how she's framed by the camera, you don't remember any of the good things about her, um, which you should really check out because it really changed my mind about those movies and like, in like how these characters are written as opposed to how they're photographed and like all of that stuff. So very, very fascinating. I'm not getting, I'm really not getting paid to plug YouTubers. I've already plugged Brad and now I'm plugging Lindsay. I don't, I'm not getting paid. I just think that they're great. Um, <laughs> it's real. I, I can attest to that. Um, so, uh, yeah, so that's, so that's Charlotte's plot. Um, Samantha's plot is that she is on a lot of, uh, she's, she's trying to, she's trying to get the upper hand on menopause is kind of, is her plot. Yeah. Basically she's beating her own biological clock or what have you. So, I mean, I guess we like, we've, we haven't talked about most of the movie, 
because we're avoiding it, or at least I am. <laughs> like, ba- like these are all of their plots, and then basically what happens is... Oh, does Miranda have a plot? Um, Not really. Not really. It's kind of like her and Steve have figured stuff out. Brady's a little older. She doesn't really have a plot. She's just, like, makes bad puns while they're there. And uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Has, Miranda doesn't really have a, a plot There's a nice scene movie. with her and Kristen Davis when they're in, when they're, um, in Abu Dhabi. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. We'll 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 get to that. Um so basically um Samantha Oh yeah, wait, 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 wait. I see I see my note about Miranda's plot. It's that she has a boss who is sexist and she considers quitting her job, but then she just does and she's just unemployed for the rest of the movie. <laughs> and that boss is played by blue collar comedy tour dude Ron White in a very short scene to the point where you forget that it was Ron White. And if you're not from the South, you don't know who Ron White is anyway. <laughs> but I am, so I do. Um, so yeah, sexist boss quits her job. That's it. <laughs> and it's also it's um uh yeah. So basically, Samantha gets hit up by Smith Jared, her ex that we've talked about in the last episode. And um, he's in a movie that's shot in Abu Dhabi and he's coming to the premiere and he wants her to be at it. And so she goes to it as his date. And then after the movie, they talk to this guy who owns hotels um, in the Middle East. And he's like, oh, wow, you do PR. I would love for you to come to my hotel, all expensive paid trip. And then you could like plug it and make it like a, a tourist destination. So she agrees um, as long as she can bring her three best friends. So the four sex in the city ladies go to this resort in Abu Dhabi, which... Because Dubai is over. Dubai is over. Oh, God. There's <laughs> So, I mean, you can already... I feel like anybody who has been listening, anybody who's who hasn't seen this movie but has seen Sex in the City and knows what make it good and also what doesn't make it good can already tell that this is not a good place to bring the Sex in the City women. Yeah, because there's a, there's, there's a few moving parts to how this happens. Um, one is, in, in the movie, they in, before they get to Abu Dhabi, they front load a lot of commentary about how um, the economy's in the toilet, because I, this is after the, the housing crisis of 2008. Um, the economy's in the trash, and, and like there's no well... like. <laughs> Samantha says at some point before they go, like, there's just no wealth. There's just, like, no wealth. Let's go where all the wealth is. Let's go where the rich are super rich because this economy is bad. Like, a bunch, a few times people say, fuck this economy, screw this economy. Like, and I'm just like, why? This economy has probably not affected you, is what I was thinking the whole time. And this weird idea, like, let's go where it's even richer. Yeah, usually that means that you, I mean, there's so many levels to it. Like, it's also like, it makes them so, it makes them sound so money obsessed in a way that they've never been before. Yeah. Like, like what made their privilege passable in the show is the fact that like, yes, they all like, like there's no plot lines that are really about them being broke. Like the closest is when Carrie like maxes out her credit card, but nobody's like waiting in line to see the doctor, you know, for weeks. Like, that's not a thing. But, like, what makes it passable is that it's just kind of, like, it's something it's kind, they have, but yeah, it's not... Yeah, it's kind of there, and nobody really talks about yeah, it. Yeah, and it's just, like, you're like, okay, well, you know, I can hate them for being rich, or or I can see who they are, 
But this movie, no, it just makes you hate them. <laughs> it's and um, oh, they are just yeah. so materialistic, so racist. Oh my god. Okay, uh, like uh, I, I realize that there are a few other plot things that we have to do before Abu Dhabi, and Abu Dhabi is something of like zero consequence anyway. That I am okay with spending the minimal amount of time talking about it. Really, um, the the few other things is um, uh, big gets carry a television for uh, they have an anniversary like five years or whatever i think it's five years and even though they've been dating since like 98 um uh, it, it, she gives big like a nice old like vintage watch because you know he's an old man like she makes a lot of jokes about him being an old man in this movie too like like they're watching like an old like black and white movie and she's like were you there when it was initially released and i'm just like whoa it's also like very <laughs> hypocritical because i feel like when she was dating him and she was like in her early 30s and like now she's like late 30s 40 like she was like into the fact that he was older than her. Like, and there was this, I mean, he calls her kid, which I always thought yeah. was gross. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he calls her kid in this movie after not calling her kid in the last movie. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I just, I always thought that was gross, but like, whatever. Um, but I always got the sense that Carrie liked that and not, I'm not going to slap some daddy issues on there. Cause I think that can be like a really like, dismissive and, yeah. and demeaning like that's just that's not what i think it is but i think that she liked that he was older i think that was like a plus like she liked his establishment his established nature and so it feels like she turns that against him oh yeah and this whole she's movie like oh you're older and you're tired and like do you want to watch tv so I'm she like, is so offended by this television like <laughs> she's so mad and like kyle turns to me and he's just like would you be mad? A, a large tele... Dude, no, of course not. I would love a large television. Um, like, she, she's mad about the television. She's mad that he wants to stay at home. There's a scene where he just, like, where she just, like, drags him out when she doesn't want him to come out. And then he talks to another woman, and then she's mad about that. And, he, and like, I mean, I mean, it's a classic big move where it's, like, he doesn't want to come out, and then the first thing he does is speak to a woman. He's not innocent here he knew what he was yeah doing. he's definitely flirting um, um but yeah it's just this whole thing about like him being an old man and she's just like if it's just the two of us we need to have the sparkle we need uh do do we did you're getting too relaxed we need to go out and like that's that's kind of like the whole thing like if it's just gonna be the two of us we have to do this 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 this, this and all this 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 all those things like it's and he's just an old man who like got his girl and he's done <laughs> that's essentially it like and and if that's not interesting to her then like i don't know why she did it like like why she would want to be with this person in the first place it's very confusing also my my boyfriend pointed out does carrie have interests in an interior life why <laughs> no i don't think so i like i i projected one onto her in the show because it was easier to because the writing was better and it showed the friendships with more depth and and it felt like you know she loves the buzz of the city you know she loves she does love glitz and shine and i think there's nothing wrong with that um, who doesn't, you know, but, but the show definitely makes it seem more like Carrie, Carrie wants love because she, 
she wants that connection and, and her writing is about that. It's about wanting to have that connection with other people. And then the movie just kind of bastard, both of these movies, but especially this one just bastardizes it and shows, oh no, it's just about like being seen and cause, cause yeah, you know, if you marry someone and you love them, like, First of all, like the whole idea that watching TV is an old person thing. I'm like, what? Like when I was 19 and dating people, that was in like my favorite thing to do. When TV was in 2010, where TV is really starting to be popping again. Like, like it's kind of nuts. Like that is like that does not matter how old you are. That is part of being in a relationship. Um, and then another thing was, uh, like she acted like she wanted Big to slow down and look at her. Like when they dated during the show, it was very much like, why can't you just be with me? And then now they're married and he wants to be with her. And she's like, why don't you want to be out there? <laughs> and it's just like, what? Yeah, it's just like, you know, she talks a lot about the sparkle and like all of that stuff. And uh, yeah, so that's the stuff that you need to know about Carrie. It's that she is uh, she's feeling unrest because she has everything that she wants and it's not exciting enough for her. And um, Samantha's thing is that the youth thing, which is going to be a huge like factor while they're there. And um, also, also there's a scene where Samantha wears the same dress as Miley Cyrus because Miley Cyrus is in this movie for a little bit. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's at Smith Jared's premiere. And when they go shopping for the dress, uh, Carrie and Samantha... The woman at the store is kind of rude to Samantha and she's like, isn't that a little young for you? And Samantha like, you know, reams her and Carrie is kind of doing the thing where she's like, like, yeah, I get it. But like, chill. And then, of course, when Samantha shows up to the premiere, Miley Cyrus is there in the same dress. So it's kind of this moment of like Samantha can't deal with getting older. Um I guess an excuse for a Miley cameo. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Miley was big in 2010, I guess. She was, and, yeah. And I mean, there's just like other things. Like you find out that like Big wants to take off two times a week. And and then he says, I feel like I'm always disappointing you. Which like, she's like, no. And I'm just like, but isn't he? <laughs> like it, once again, it makes me like, and it's like, I was thinking about it and I was just like, you know, like if there's no kids and you have like a disposable income, like you should be chill. <laughs> but um, maybe that's just me, like in my 20, 20 something brain uh, that I feel. And so um, anyway, let's get to Abu Dhabi. I just needed like those character beats are important, I guess, even though they don't really get explored much in Abu Dhabi. And I mean, to be fair, there's not much to say about Abu Dhabi. It's like really all you need to know is like all the things we just said. So that's where all the women are at. They go there on this trip with Samantha and it's kind of it's framed similar to the way I mean, it's a different reason, but it's kind of like how they on the first movie, they go on the honeymoon to help cheer Carrie up after big bills on the wedding. It's supposed to be like a fun girl's time. Except this one is just supposed to be all fun, you know, because they're all like they all have their own issues, obviously, as we just touched on. But none of them are like in the same, you know, place like like it's a, a bit more light. And it's just <sighs> it's like, you know, there's like all of the racism. There's Jasmine and Aladdin references. They kept on seeing that they keep on saying that the shake is chic. Miranda is, makes this horrible pun and says Abu Dhabi do. Abu Dhabi, I can't even say it. 
It's so hard to say it's so because hard. it's painful, but it's also hard to say. <laughs> they called they called the flight a flying carpet. And like one of them said that to the stewardess. She's like, it's as comfortable as a flying carpet. And man, I would just love like a spin-off movie that's just all of the side characters in Sex in the City and like how much they hated everyone. <laughs> oh my like, god, because I can't even imagine like like and, and, including like, the show. Like so like all the bartenders, everybody who had to serve these women, like the women that I as we've said, I really like in the show, like just all of them shit talking. Like, yeah. Uh, and as soon as we touch down, um, they're already like staring at the women with with veils and hijabs and burkas, and they're just, just these women are so oppressed. Oh my god! And I'm just. At one point, they're like at lunch, and there's a woman in a hijab, and she's like on a cell phone, and she she has makeup on and like has her nails done, and like they're like and like Carrie's like and she has fries, and Carrie's like obsessed because it's like this concept. Oh my god, that, like, she's like sliding the fries she's, like, under the. Oh she's, my like, god, oh my gosh, she gets to eat fries, and like also like this woman like has like nails, like like these women know about makeup, like it's so like it's just so ignorant and. And again, this is a 2010. Like, I'm not saying this would have been okay in the 90s, but this was not made when the movies were made. Like, this is uh, really recent. And and so it's just really cringy. And again, it's like nobody involved in this movie has ever met anyone Muslim, like, or, or read a blog post by anyone Muslim. Like, Muslim people exist, and, like, they're in America. Like, you could... If you, like, spoke to anyone that didn't look like you, this wouldn't have been such a whole fucking shock. And and it's just weird, like, that they just, like, show up and they're just like, oh, these women are so oppressed. And they're saying this whole thing that they, like, don't understand. And then the entire... Everyone there treats them like queens because they're white women and they get to dress the way that they want because they're white women and they're just like prancing around and it's like they don't even like some of them do but Samantha specifically does not understand like her privilege as a white woman and the way that everybody's treating her so well and the way that she can dress how she wants. Samantha really pisses me off in this movie because she's already kind of pushing it with like the way that she's dressing and stuff and not being like really respectful. Um which is, like, fine, because they allow her to do it. But the idea that, like, Samantha... <sighs> it's so hard. It's so hard to talk about this without, like, getting really, like, getting into things that, like, even I, like, as a person who has actually read about these things, still don't feel like I have the range to talk about. I'm not saying that, like, every white woman who goes to um, a Middle Eastern place should dress like a middle, to, should like dress respectively. But I do think that like, if you're not covering your head, if you're not really doing anything, then like you should just, you should just try to be as respectful as you can in other ways. Yeah, and Samantha is, she's very much like, well, fuck that, I'm Samantha. And then she like hooks up with someone on a beach well, makes out with someone on a beach and then, of course, gets caught. And, like, normally she would be, you know, actually, like, go to jail or something. But, of course, she gets out of it. And then, and it's, and, and like, the whole time Miranda's, like, 
Miranda makes bad puns, but she's like the most respectful. Um, yeah. She's like, no, you should dress up like you should cover up like it's it's the culture, you know. And then uh, and Samantha's like, oh, fuck that. And then Charlotte's like, I'm afraid of everyone. Um, and then Carrie's like, oh, my gosh, the women here have lipstick oh my yeah um, <laughs> carrie's whole thing is like like and what? i'm like, like makeup yeah what? which and i'm also, just like and carrie also, would roll over in her grave if she saw some tutorials that are on youtube like oh my god like uh, yes did you know that hijabis also wear makeup and like can contour the shit oh <laughs> my god beautiful just like beautiful skilled smart liberated women who are also hijabis did you know that you can be both at the same time white women like it's so <laughs> annoying it's, and and it's also like also the hypocrisy like and again nothing would really like excuse this behavior but there's just like another level of the hypocrisy that like beyond like Miranda's rants in New York that like really though like the four of them don't talk about feminism that often like they they're not back home like trying to liberate women like that's not and that's I'm not saying they're not liberated in ways but like like that's actually not what they talk about so for them the fact that they only talk about it when they've left the United States is like another level. Yeah, it's like, real. It's really annoying that this move that these movies are trying to like push this like weird like liberated women thing. It's just like okay. Um, it's it's just like yeah, it's like really uh, it it's it's really bizarre. So I mean, like essentially, what happens is, um that uh samantha like gets in trouble for being obscene and then um the shake who's like paying for everything because apparently like their room costs like thousands of dollars they have manservants like everything and um uh it, it's just like it, it it's like this like ridiculous this ridiculous privilege is just like taken away from them and they have to like quickly quickly leave and they have like a whole scene about that also aiden <laughs> aiden oh is also my god yeah aiden shows up well aiden's there of course like on some business thing um yeah it makes no sense for him to be there they just needed white yeah. people because like also the the dude that samantha fucks is also a white person like they do not he's, interact he's with any Dutch. brown people intimately in this movie it's like the movie knew it's lane enough to know that that would be so messy uh because obviously this movie could not handle like anyone who wasn't the sex in the city women um but like it was also another kind of gentrifying or colonialist or really what whatever you want to call it uh moved to just have samantha then hook up with a dutch guy who was there a dutch architect it was like someone she would meet in new york um yeah i mean although i guess i could you could also say that would be realistic for those women there but um yeah so aiden's there and carrie runs into aiden and of course she's like He's like, oh, my God, wow. And they're both like, wow. And then he's like, please have dinner with me. And, like, all of the other women are like, don't do it. What's wrong with you? Um, especially Charlotte. Um, and then, of course, Carrie does. And, of course, they kiss. And, you know, of course, they do that thing where, like, they both downplay their own marriages while they're eating. Um, yeah. It's, it, it's yeah. gross. And then Carrie is like. And then she, of course, freaks out and is like, I, oh, my God. And I, mean, I, I don't feel bad for her at all. I'm and like, then she tells Big, which, like, why would you do and that, And then, of girl? course, Big is hurt. And it's like, Carrie, you're an idiot. Like, I didn't, like, 
there's a lot of her mistakes that she makes in the show that I will defend, not because they're okay, but because they're human. But this moment, like with Aiden, I was like, no, you're cut off. Like you cheated on Aiden with them with Big, who you're married to now, and now you're gonna go kiss Aiden. Like, stop. You're too messy. I can't. Yeah, like, it's also yeah. you're in your fucking forty. Like, stop acting like you're eighteen. Like she does things and then she freaks out in this childish way, and it's like she's doing it to herself. Yeah, she just she's doing it to herself. Like they go um the, when they go back to America cuz like oh b- but before they do um apparently they when they're doing karaoke they sing they sing a feminist theme song which I had never heard before. Like somebody like my roommate was like, "Oh yeah, that was a women's liber- liberation theme song." But it was also what seemed to be a country song and I am a black person so I had never heard of it. It's like I am woman hear me ro- roar um which is weird. They're not. They're not really tend to be into that kind of thing. Like so, it's it, it it's weird. Um, and uh, there's the scene that the scene that we should talk about. Oh, there are a few scattered things before the big scene. The scattered thing is that um, Carrie leaves her purse in a place because she doesn't even think about her money and goes along for many days without her purse because these women are so privileged that they don't even notice that their purse is missing. So when they're running, so the, when they're running to leave, it's like a it's like a whole like race to get the purse and anyway Carrie is irresponsible and $20 shoes in the booth. So much shit. Um but the most important thing that happens is that um while they're running to try to catch their plane, Samantha's purse breaks and it explodes. And she has all of these condoms in her purse, which is like a comical amount of condoms, honestly, even for Samantha. And there, and then all of the men here, and then they just like shame her and they yell. And then she's just like, yes, yes, I have sex. And she's like throwing condoms at men. And it's, it's it's the most insane thing. And then a group of like women in burkas, like almost magical, like almost stereotypically magical, show up and lead them away from the angry men. And then they're alone in a tent and then they're just like, the men will be angry for weeks. It's gonna be great. Um Yeah, and then they reveal that they like they're they're so great like when i met them i was like i want the movie to be about them like these women are delightful the movie could have been like um corny and like but if it had been about them meeting those women it could have been like i'm sure it still would have been a little cringy but it would have been way more fun like yeah because we because instead of them just like being all judgy it would be them like speaking to women who actually live there and like hearing about their experiences and how like how they dress makes them feel and all of that stuff like that would have all been really interesting but it was like ultimately about these white women and because it's about these white women (laughs) they take off their burqas and they are wearing like <laughs> the same clothes that like Carrie and, and Carrie's like oh my god like they even oh drop god! some brand names like they're like what god! like we wear the same kinds of clothes the ultimate the ultimate thing that that bonds women it's just hey guys um Bronwyn needed to go for a little bit so I'm going to finish up the episode by myself which is perfectly fine because like this is in a this is an enormously long episode we had a lot of grievances to air so just in case you need closure I'm going to wrap it up for you right here um the girls return from Abu Dhabi 
everyone's plots are fixed. Um, Samantha gets her hormones back because her main thing was that she wanted hormones and she gets to fuck the white guy. Uh, Charlotte realizes that her nanny is a lesbian, which wouldn't matter anyway because Harry would never cheat on her. Miranda goes to a firm that um, actually works for her and actually has women there that will listen to her. Big basically makes uh, makes Carrie apologize with like these like uh, kind of cute vows that are just like, hey, hey, never cheat on me again. And Carrie's like, yeah, sure. And, you know, they forgive each other. And the movie basically ends with them sitting down and watching the TV. And in pure movie fashion, it says the end on the television screen. So, yeah, if you needed closure, if you needed to know how it exactly ends, I was here to do that for you. Do not watch this movie. Don't do it. Uh, <laughs> it's 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 a it's a bad movie. It's not it's not a good movie. It's worse than the first one. It kind of makes you hate everyone. Um, it's made by a guy who's just like not that talented, but has clearly been like failing upwards for his entire career. And I hope he hears this. Um, um, for the rest of the weeks of October, which um, we should have like two more Mondays in October. I need to check a calendar. But for as long as October is, we're going to switch gears to um, a more horror or like thriller choices. So we're going to be picking them as soon as this show is over, and we will be back. This has been the Bad Romance Podcast. Um, I'm Jordan Searles. Bronwyn Isaac was also here. You should follow us on Twitter, at BromancePod. You should follow us um, individually on Twitter. I'm at, at J-O-U-R-D-A-Y-E-N on Twitter, and Bronwyn Isaac is at at Bronwyn Isaac on Twitter. So that's pretty easy. B-R-O-N-W-Y-N, Bronwyn. And then Isaac, you know, with the two A's. So this has been the Bad Romance Podcast. Bye, guys.